my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific weekend uh, and a great Christmas and a happy New Year, and hopefully you didn't drink too much and all that good stuff. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Howarth, uh, and we did our annual Year in Review episode. All the good, the bad, and the ugly from the year of our Lord 2023. Um, kind of a depressing year politically, but uh, we, we made the best of it. I always look forward to doing the show, the first podcast of every new year. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before we get to Ian, uh, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Revocates Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you do use iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I really appreciate that. If you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Howarth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Howarth. Ian, how you been, man? I've uh, unfortunately come down with that dreaded man flu. It's happened. I tried uh, isolating myself from the world. Didn't work. So now I'm I'm suffering like no man has ever suffered, of course, because that's how man flu works. Every time you've been on the show in the last year, you've been sick. Maybe it's just the knowledge <laughs> that I'm about to you know, converse with you publicly. It just triggers my immune system to a point it's just, that it's I just, just like... suffer. Just the proximity to libertarianism, man. It just like it just destroys your immune system. Uh, it's probably my fault. Let's be honest. So, man, I always look forward to the show every year. We're doing our year in review awards show, which we do the first podcast of every new year. Um, it's always fun and super depressing. At the, at the same time, uh, I think this year will be no different. Um, because it wasn't a great year. If you're on the political right here in America, it has not been a great year for us. Um, but before we get started, man, like just going through like old shows, you know, the old articles I've written this year and everything. It's like I the Chinese spy balloon was June. Mm-hmm. I, if you told me that was like 2019, I would believe you. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was six months ago. The East Palestine, Ohio trail or train derailment rather was in February. I mean, my goodness. I, I mean, that well, wow. Talk about something getting swept under the rug, by the way. Hope everybody there is OK. Sorry, folks. You know, the government yeah, clearly doesn't care about you. But that was February, man. That was 10 months ago. Like, it's that is wild, isn't it? What a bizarre it's, year. I also think it's just the, the number, well, not the number, but the sheer amount of media we consume. Um, and I think the consumer base is just generally lazy and stupid. And so you've got this this thing where it's almost like you can only handle one story at a time. And so everything is news. Everything is turned up to 11. And so you can really only handle one major story at a time. That's a big reason why people just don't care about Ukraine anymore. Because, you know, the Israel-Hamas thing came in and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I've only got space for one conflict I don't understand in my head. And so right. then Ukraine gets put into the trash can and then we move on. And then the same thing will happen. People are already forgetting about that. It's it's an ma- amazing tool for politicians because you just wait long enough. You can truly get away with anything. Unless you're a Republican, you know, you're actually held to some kind of standards. But if you're a Democrat, just wait long enough. 
I mean, Pete Buttigieg was so lazy, he couldn't be bothered to go to East Palestine when that was that horrific disaster where still we don't really know what the health effects were. Animals were dying all over the state and no one cares anymore because it was five minutes ago. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's wild. And I mean, just looking at all the 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 news cycles that everybody riled up, man. It's like even going back one year, one calendar year, what are we still talking about? Like nothing. Yeah. Like, nothing. You know, it's it, the election it, was stolen, Brady. The, the election was stolen. So, dude, let's jump into the. Well, first, we'll, we'll, we need to do our, uh, you know, admit to our, our crimes here on, on the show. <laughs> um, mine's not nearly as, as, as bad as usual. So I, I can start. But what, what's your prediction that you got wrong, the most wrong in 2024? I, um, I really quite... like to start the show by just, you know, going back <laughs> and looking at how we looked stupid over the last year. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> Let's begin by destroying our credibility, shall we? Right, right. I, but this is the best year I've had in terms of predictions because I really didn't make any. Like, usually <laughs> I start this show off with, like, a real doozy where I just look like a total moron. Like, I, you know, like, 2022, like, I predicted, like, a huge red wave in the midterms and then, like, Republicans got destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually something like that that I come clean on. But, like, I didn't. Maybe it's because I was just so tired of being wrong all the time, <laughs> but I didn't make very many predictions. Like, I thought the Republican primary would be more competitive, but like I didn't predict Ron DeSantis to win or anything. You know, I didn't. I didn't really make any predictions. I was just like, oh, like it'll be a fun primary to cover. You know, um, so I mean, I guess I was wrong about that, but that's not. You know, nobody can really fault me for that. Like honestly, everything kind of followed. A predictable descent into decline and madness. <laughs> yeah. Like on the trajectory, things were already going. Like Democrats got worse, Republicans got worse. The economy still sucks. No wars ended, a new one began. You know, like nothing really surprised me that much. I, I didn't really predict we'd have a largely different or better year than we had, I suppose. I know that sounds like a cop out, but, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make more bold predictions this year just to, uh, <laughs> to make up for it. To make up for it, yeah. So I think mine, uh, I have a foreign policy one and a domestic one. Uh, foreign policy, I am amazed that China has not invaded Taiwan. Really? Um, I was I was looking at it and just, what happened with Afghanistan? Uh, what's going on in Israel? I feel like China are leaving the door open for that. I know uh, Xi Jinping came out and said that's part of his, his plan, but that doesn't really mean anything. So I'm surprised nothing happened there. Domestically, I think I was just too idealistic. I thought DeSantis was going to dominate. I thought people were going to wake up and realize that everything they want is already happening in Florida. And all they have to do is, you know, support the guy who made that happen. And uh, I guess the power, not just the power of MAGA, but the the power of, I think I guess, populism through people like Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, the power of donor money through people like Nikki Haley, the power of the media, keeping Trump relevant in, bo in both good and bad ways. Um, and just the fact that people make too much money, um, this, I'm going to talk about this stuff a little later, but the fact that there's just so much money tied to Trump as, an, as a person, um, I'm looking at what I think is a fantastic candidate. Obviously, every candidate has problems, but in terms of do you want the country to be more like California or more like Florida, we have the guy who you know built the machine and we're just saying no. And uh kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh... You know, and I endorsed DeSantis, and I stand by that in the Republican primary, obviously. Um, I think he definitely has a good chance of becoming president eventually. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I think with the Trump stuff, 
like I, you know, like the whatever Jack Posobiec and Laura Loomer on Twitter, like that's you know the the percentage of American voters that follow people like that on that are on Twitter is like five percent, and that follow these like clownish right wing hacks on Twitter is like point zero one percent of the general voting public. So it's not like I don't think it's like MAGA influencers convincing people of anything. I think people sticking with Trump because like I talked to a lot of Republicans both like on Twitter like you know people who listen to the show and just in real life mm-hmm. here in Ohio and it's like it's just Trump is giving people an excuse to not admit that they're wrong about anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a that's powerful. Like usually when a, a president loses an election or a president even a presidential candidate loses an election, they just go away forever. Um and Trump didn't and he keeps telling everybody that he really won and the Democrats stole it and I mean that's like I mean that's really stupid, but it's a uh, it's a lot more fun to believe that than to actually ask yourself why Trump lost and mm-hmm. do something about it. And so I think it's just giving people permission to not grow and learn and change. Yes, I agree. I mean it's it's really the root of conspiracy theories in many ways. I know people scoff when I say that, but just the irrefutability of it, um, as you said, the complete disregard for ever being introspective or holding yourself to any account um it also helps you just ignore reality like it helps you ignore the fact that trump didn't deliver on really anything he said he would anything substantive and then there's COVID, of course yeah um which is i think the strangest thing for me i think it shows just how deep some people are in the in the bog that is maga in that trump did everything they hate about the democrats trump is responsible for that well plus Uh, most republicans went along with it man yes most Republicans were wearing masks and putting vaccines in their ass and stuff like that. Like they were, you know, worried and and you know, lysoling the groceries and stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Republicans stopped going to work, stopped going to church, went along with the Fauci madness. And by Trump just sweeping it under the rug and saying, "No, I didn't do anything wrong." No, you're gonna believe your, you're gonna believe me or your lying eyes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just it gives them an excuse not to admit that they did anything stupid. It just Nobody wants to admit when they've done something wrong or been duped. Um, and Trump sure is he's sure as shit never going to admit that yeah. he's been duped. So he's giving his supporters a reason not to admit it either. And I mean, like, I get it from a human nature standpoint. Like, I totally understand that. It's crazy. It's counterproductive. It's awful. Um, it's preventing your own personal growth. But I understand it. Like, I get why people are like that. I think the thing that's most surprising to me is just it's how obvious it is like people can be the same people who are furious and churning out clickbait responses to Travis Kelsey working with Pfizer. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's silly, but you know, he's a private individual. He can do what he wants. I I don't really care. But then Trump is the guy lauding the vaccine. Trump is the guy who funded the vaccine. Trump is the guy who, when data started coming out to show that isn't anywhere near as effective as they promised it would, it would be, he's the one still saying it was great. So you can't live in both worlds. I mean, people obviously do, and they're allowed to, but it'll come back to bite you eventually because you're just simply not living in reality. Trump gave Pfizer $100 billion of taxpayer money and made them immune from prosecution. I mean, like, it's... <laughs> it's If you're mad at Travis Kelsey, brother, I, I have something real unfortunate to tell you about your favorite politician. Yeah, it's just... It's... There's just a lot of there's so much suffering. I think that's what it always comes down to. Like, yeah, we can talk about masks and all that stuff because it's obviously the things people remember. But the amount of suffering that was caused by horrific policy, you should not be allowed just to get away with that. Like, 
people talk about all kinds of corruption that go on and on about, you know, Nancy Pelosi insider trading, which she obviously is, and all of these things. But that pales into significance when we talk about the mass suffering that COVID-19 policy caused. People blame it on COVID. Everything was voluntary. Everything. Mm -hmm. And the economic suffering, the mental suffering, the educational suffering, it's just never ending. Yeah. And people should be held accountable for that. And yeah. they're simply not doing it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably the hardest category uh, that we have, and that's our dub of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was a hard one. Because there's been... <laughs> I'm going to go first because I'm I'm going to pull my host of the podcast cop-out answer, and I won't do it again the rest of the show, I promise. <laughs> but we haven't had a real victory this year um, at all. <laughs> I, don't th I don't think politically. It just hasn't really happened. So, I mean, like, there's been certain states that have enacted law. I mean, there's minor stuff like Ohio's uh, uh, school choice law. There's been a school, cho a school choice law passed in... Um, Arizona was last year. I think it might have been Georgia this year. A couple others. Florida had a good legislative session, but I don't live in Florida, so who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't affect me. So, I mean, there's been, like, these minor victories, but nothing that, that lends itself to uh, actually getting an award here from mm -hmm. me. So I'm just going to... I'm just going to pull the cop out and say the birth of my daughter. <laughs> I, know, I know it only affects my family, but uh, it's been pretty awesome being a dad for the first time. Um, my daughter's pretty awesome. She uh, just stood up for the first time uh, the other night, two nights ago, actually. Uh, she awesome. did it out of spite, actually. She, uh, That's even yeah, yeah, hasn't been sleeping at night. And uh, I peeked my head in because she was crying, and she was just standing up for the first time, screaming bloody murder. I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's so pissed off that she learned how to stand. <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> guess that's how they the do it. So it's been a lot of that stuff uh, for the last uh, nine and a half months, um, almost ten months now. So, yeah, man, be becoming a dad for the first time, that's that's a big win. Uh, sorry, America. You, you guys didn't really get anything, but I did. So that, that's what really <laughs> matters, isn't it? It really is. I mean, and now we can look forward to in a year or two, you know, I was at the grocery with my daughter and she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, <laughs> you know, Daddy, why is the economy structured in a way that benefits, you know, the 1% and punishes the 99%? Things like that. I, I can't wait for her insights. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. You can tell she's brilliant already, you know. <laughs> she just happens to have my exact political views. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. My so goodness. I have I have two winners. Um, one winner, you know, the kind of sarcastic winner, and one I think was an actual ideological victory so i'll start with the ideological victory um i think the dylan mulvaney bud light saga um while it was obviously very performative there were a lot of problems with it generally there were a lot of kind of uh insincere responses uh i think to see the entire country coordinated in that way showed that there are kind of cultural lines that people can come together on uh, you know i think to boycott a beer company is obviously not exactly massive politically but I think it's indicative of something that there are there are things that we can motivate people to actually act towards and make changes towards. And uh, the really the economic um, strength that held over something like Bud Light for simply including Dylan Mulvaney and I think one low level marketing uh, picture. I don't even think it was like a major campaign. Um, again, there are obviously people who are taking advantage of that for their own um, notoriety and their no own attention. But I think if you look at it in a purely good faith manner, that shows that something can be done. Like people have control over the cultural direction of the company when they just say no to things. Um, so that gave me some hope. And then the the kind of sarcastic winner is just the grifter class. Um, I think 2023 was the year of the grifter in a way that I haven't seen for quite a while. 
um, especially with if you live online more than the average person, what Twitter has become under Elon Musk with the direct monetization of just bullshit. You know, every social media company has its problems. I think Twitter is great in that you have more free speech than perhaps other places. Uh, but to look at the thought leaders, so-called thought leaders who are elevated and uh, just the money they are making from this, just saying and doing whatever they want, uh, whether that be creating your own crappy beer company in response or those, that ridiculous uh, softcore porn calendar that everyone lost their minds <laughs> over. Uh, it's just the year of the grifter that I, I think isn't going to change anytime soon because there is so much money to be made from this right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm constantly having to remind myself that I'm nobody's target audience, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, but so it's just like, I mean, obviously I, I work in politics. Like I do this show twice a week. I'm always reading and thinking about politics, writing about politics and talking about politics. So I'm not like in my free time, I'm not absorbing a lot of political content, obviously. Like it's just not, that's not the kind of podcasts I like to listen to. It's not the kind of shows I like to listen to. Um, so it's like, I get that, like, I'm not like I don't know, Tim pool. I'm not Tim pool's audience, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of feller, you know, I'm a dude in my mid thirties with a family who likes to hunt and fish and shoot guns and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's when I have free time, I'm hanging out like on the river or in the woods, you know, like that's just, I, I'm nobody's like target market, but it's just like, I, I look around at the grifters and I'm like, I'm like, look, there's always going to be grifters. There's always going to be mm-hmm. people that just say things to make money and to build an audience. And it's whatever, like that just happens. It's just, it's just what happens. That's never going to change. But it's like, can we at least get some, like smarter grifters it's like yeah. really? like these guys it's a, they're just not they're not saying anything interesting they're not particularly impressive people you know and it's just like really like it's not like i, I get it with some people but ugh. it's <laughs> it's like i just don't some of these people it's like man how like how do so many people fall for this you know it's mm-hmm. like they're not even like putting out like high quality content you know like it's it's like yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's yeah. annoying. It's yeah, it's it's surprising that so many of these people are making money like this. I think it's just uh, it's like a byproduct of just the size of the American consumer base. And with politics, people love to talk about, oh, you're the silent majority. Uh, most people feel this way. That's very rare. There's very few things that people actually have a majority position on. But because of the size of the country, you don't need the majority. If your goal is not to win, if your goal is just to make money. You just need a very motivated 5 to 10% of the population or even less, and you can make a very comfortable living. And yeah. that's that's the key thing is that these, whether they be companies or individuals, they've bridged the gap between motivating people politically and work, like somehow presenting themselves as a proxy for that political work. So they'll say, oh, you care about the country? Yes. You care about Republicans winning? Yes. Okay, well, then buy my service. And people think, okay, well, I might not have a lot of money to donate to political schemes. I might not have enough political influence, but my $20, $30, $40 a month is helping push the needle in the right direction. And of course, it's not. What you're doing is you're enriching a handful of people who have basically flamed out of Hollywood and have found a new route to fame and fortune through political media. And every time they lose, then you get to say, oh, well, you just need to invest more. And people are doing it. And it it makes me very sad because like a lot of the stuff I do is free. Um, I have a sub stack that is very small and people are perfectly welcome to sign up if they want. But everything I put out there is free Um, because I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by trying to make a difference. And if I'm able to make a living through different means while doing that, then great. But I don't tie my work to the income in that 
if you want America to win, you need to pay me X amount a month because that's not how it works. And I, I think we need to have more respect for the consumer base. And I think we need to have more respect for the movement that we're supposedly working um, or pulling in the same direction for. But unfortunately, that's just not the case, because as we have said so many times on this podcast, losing is easier and more profitable than winning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you see this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm relatively sure Republican leadership for generations have preferred being in the minority. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, you see the fundraising numbers when they actually win. They plummet. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if they actually did anything, they, you know, they, they, I mean, how many, how much money did they raise on repealing Obamacare? Trillions of dollars over the years, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never even planned on doing that. <laughs> yeah. They never, never even planned on it. Yeah. I mean, it's wh- one more thing, too, on, on the grifter class. I, one of my New Year's resolutions, I guess, is just to dissociate myself from any movement, man. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not, like the movements are just so silly and so goofy and so ridiculous, and they change like every five years anyway. So like the the grifters that are tying themselves, like for instance, to like the the MAGA people, it's like guys like that was like it, that's gonna be something else, you know? Like that's yeah. just gonna more like in five years people will have, like I mean Trump's eighty and he eats cheeseburgers three times a day. God bless him. I hope he lives to one hundred and twenty. But like this is his last election, win or lose, right? And like mm-hmm. his kids aren't very bright or charismatic or anything. So like, they're not going to, you know, like the people that kind of want to be the post Trump Trump are like really stupid, like Carrie Lake. And it's like, so it's like that move, like MAGA is going to go away and people will take some elements of that and infuse it with like the next thing, you know, like it was like the, like the Reagan conservative movement. And then that was replaced by like the tea party movement. And that was replaced by the MAGA movement. And that'll be replaced by the next movement here in a couple of years. And it's just like, tying and then you see on the libertarian side it's the same way like i'm i'm in the liberty movement we got to do this and that and it's just like man it's just just be yourself <laughs> like because yeah. that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna be myself like i'm in nobody's camp i'm in nobody's gay twitter party you know <laughs> like it's just i i don't i don't need to be a part of the cool kids table like i, I just don't care because that's gonna be gone like that table is gone and replaced with something totally indistinguishable in a very short amount of time, you know, and that's just that happens. And it doesn't I'm not saying that, like, every part of, like, the conservative movement or the libertarian movement or the populist movement or any like they all have good things to say and they all are right and wrong about different things. But like none of them, they're not built to last mm-hmm. like by design, like they just change with the times they change with the faces. And that's just so tying yourself to something like that, like. I think a lot of these MAGA people are really going to regret it because that money is going to dry up. I mean, like you're tying yourself to an 80-year-old man yeah. who just changes his opinions randomly on everything. You know what I mean? So it's just like that's not like that's not sustainable. Like I'm sure the paycheck's great now, but man, that, you're still going to need money in five years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not like you're not going to make so much money doing a podcast that you're never going to have to work again. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know unless you become Joe Rogan or something. But like, it's just, it's not, it, just as a, as a business model, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think it's also indicative of um, something we were talking about just before we started recording of the difference between the left and the right generally is that the left want things and they, they have a generational mission to achieve those things. And the right is impatient and is entirely reactive. And so I, I, I laugh about the, you know, the conservative pounce routine that the media does they're doing it with claudine gay right now you know it's always funny it's so funny but i mean this one's especially funny by the this way this one's just honestly i think the best the best one ever 
But um, there is there is an issue among the conservative right, and that all we do is talk about what the left are doing. Every single mainstream or high-profile conservative figure in the commentary world, all they do is talk about what the left are doing. They don't really ever, very occasionally perhaps, but very rarely do they talk about, this is what I want America to be, this is how I think we get there. It's all, the left are doing this, they're communists, or look at this crazy leftist video, or they'll do what is I think is copyright fraud, which is just taking someone else's content and then recording themselves, watching that content, making funny faces. And so I think there's, we need more from our side too, because yeah, there are reactionaries on the left, but they run all the institutions, they right. control the establishment, they control all of these other levers of power that we simply do not. And so it's fine to have reactionaries as part of that campaign. But if that's all you have, we're not going to make any real change. We might make short term change, we might change a law, but we're not prepared for what comes next. We're not prepared to actually control anything. And until that changes, this is all we can hope for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's our L of the year, man? There's a lot to choose from. There's a we've taken yeah. a lot on the chin this year, man. For me, I gotta go abortion. Um, post Roe v. Wade has been tough sledding for the pro life movement and for babies. Um, Ohio this year voted to enshrine abortion in the state constitution, and the measure passed by over 20 points. I mean, it was an absolute blowout. Um, we're losing big time. Mm-hmm. All across the country on abortion, aside from a, a very select handful of states, Florida, Texas, a couple others, um, have saved a lot of lives, and, and we're falling apart everywhere else. I mean, we've seen it not just in Ohio, but other red st- even redder states like Montana and Kansas have also passed, passed measures like this. Um, Americans love abortion, specifically American women love abortion, man. Um, obviously, we have a lot of work to do, um, and, and we, we talked at the time. I mean, you and I, guys like us, we, we talked— at the time, how Roe going down was the beginning of the fight. It wasn't the end of anything. Mm-hmm. And I think we all understood that. But I don't think any of us, including including myself, I don't think we thought it would be this bad. Yeah, and uh, and to be honest with you, this was my L of the year as well. Yeah. Um, because I think overturning Roe versus Wade was one of those, kind of like o, o, um, overturning Obamacare, was this massive goal at the end of the tunnel that we, as a movement, worked towards for years, if not decades. And to actually achieve that is a major thing. But we were so utterly unprepared for what came next. I think it was really an unforgivable failure to have something like Roe versus Wade be taken away, but then give states, not give states, but allow states to take more radical positions than previously is a failure of really the anti-abortion movement. I think there's political failures. I think there's cultural failures. Um, Again, if you I'm involved with some pro-life organizations and they do fantastic work but making videos about students saying silly things is not cutting it we need to be fighting this as a cultural generational battle not just going to a college uh, campus and making someone look stupid because they don't really know what they're talking about it's not enough to be fundraising it's not enough to be getting clicks we need to be doing what the left does with every single issue and making it a cultural battle over a generation because if we make abortion in, in the same way that slavery is viewed, abortion and slavery are not the same thing, but in terms of how society views an evil, an undeniable evil, then you win that politically because politics just follows culture anyway. But if we just think we can just make one Supreme Court decision and the rest of the world is just going to follow, especially when it comes tied to the fact that people want to have sex with no consequences, we're never going to win that fight. And uh, I think it was really unforgivable how we just let that collapse in on itself like a dying star and we're surprised that it happened. Uh, I think... 
lot of people really have to look hard in the mirror over this. Yeah. And you have all the MAGA people, Trump leading the charge just to basically surrender on abortion forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy. These people want to, oh, you know, Republicans shouldn't even talk about that. You know, women love abortion. It's okay. Golly, man. Really? Yeah, it's like it's you're disgusting. you're you're giving up. <laughs> you're 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 handing the Democrats the ability to slaughter as many babies they want forever. Good Lord, man, what a disgrace. Well, also unsurprising given that Donald Trump has almost certainly paid for abortions in his life. You know, like would do be not, shocked. People would cannot be shocked if he didn't. Who Donald Trump is. Yeah, yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Um, what was your biggest disappointment of the year? I know it's it almost sounds like a repeat of the last category, but. Uh, for something to be a disappointment, you had to at least be somewhat optimistic to begin with. <laughs> so so you, you can start it off. What was your uh, disappointment of 2023? My disappointment was Tucker Carlson. Ah, it's mine too. All right. oh. <laughs> so we can we can share this one. I think yep. it was I had such high hopes of yeah, you know, him, yeah, no. him him flaming out of Fox News, I think was you know, you can you can think what you want about Fox News. I think they do a lot of good things, you know, some bad things, but him flaming out over there was a massive opportunity to do something with his audience and the resources behind him to do something truly amazing. And instead, he's sitting there kissing Trump's ass, interviewing Kevin Spacey, Andrew Tate, all these other clowns, <laughs> and just fueling insane conspiracy theories. Not even, like, he's he's like a poor man's Alex Jones now. Because all he does is he plays this I'm like you shtick when he's actually just a hugely privileged, wealthy kid who just throws on a pair of car keys, throws on a bow tie, and makes a funny face. That's his entire shtick. You know, I think he's a very intelligent guy. He's capable of so much more. And he's just doing this because it's a way to make a buck in the short term. So hugely disappointing for me. And he didn't have to. Like, he got like a quarter billion dollars. Yeah. From the Fox buyout. That's more money than he'd know what to do with in several lifetimes. Like, that's a, like when people are hacky in politics, there's two categories. Guys that need the money <laughs> and guys that yep. don't. And I just don't ever, because like I have, I have a lot of friends, man, who guys who've been on the show and continue to come on the show, who have like totally sold out and become like Trump hacks and stuff because there's just more money in it right now. And it's just like it's annoying, but I'm like, ah, it's whatever. Like I, I know them, I know these guys. They need the money. It is what it is. But it's just like it really bothers me if you don't need the money. Yes. Because it's just like, man, do you know how unhinged I would be if I didn't need the money? <laughs> Like, I would literally say, and I basically say whatever I want anyway, but, like, I, it would just be, I would, you wouldn't, I mean, you'd never know what's going to come out of my mouth next. If I didn't need the money, if I were, if I had so much money, I was uncancelable. Look out, people. Yeah. <laughs> look out, America. It would get wild. And it's just like, he gets all this money. He has all the talent in the world. He's a really smart guy. And I, I like Tucker. Like, he's, like, he says Very a lot of things I, yeah, and he's, he's great at it. And he says a lot of things that I agree with, too. It's not like I disagree with everything he says. But it's like, dude, how do you get that much money and choose to become way more of a hack than you were before when you needed the money? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's opposite world. It just doesn't, like, as a, I don't know, as a middle class guy, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get why a person like that would make that decision. And it just sucks, man. It sucks. Yeah. Because it didn't have to be this way. Like, why Andrew Tate? Mm-hmm. Alex Jones, Candace Owens. It's like, why? Like, you interview dorks like this if you need the money, not if you're Tucker Carlson. And then he sits down with Trump for an hour and a half and doesn't ask a single serious question about anything. Mm-hmm. And this is after we read all of Tucker's texts and emails when he was saying how he absolutely hates Trump and thinks he's a buffoon. Okay. My goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed because Tucker is better than that, he knows better. 
and could actually make Trump a better candidate and a better leader by holding him to account. Yes. But he doesn't. But why? Like, even as a strategy, like, do you want to help the country or not? Because Trump sucks on a lot of issues, and he's moved wildly to the left on a lot of issues. Tucker is a smart guy. He is a true right-winger, and he could hold Trump's feet to the fire and move Trump. He's a lot smarter than Trump, and if you're smarter than Trump and have Trump's ear, you can trick him into doing just about anything. Just ask Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Okay, so Tucker could be the opposite of Anthony Fauci and use his powers for good and not evil (laughs) and move Trump to the right on important issues, and he's refusing to do it for absolutely no reason. I mean, hopefully he gets better, man. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Right call on on that award. Tucker has been a a massive disappointment. Yeah, and I think— Unforced errors. It's unforced. He doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be this way. I think also just it points to the broader thing that we've been talking about throughout this this episode of just the complete lack of respect you have for your own audience. Like the fact that he can go there and do that smarmy thing where, oh, I'm just asking questions. Like, why do we care? Like, why do people care about Israel? It's a foreign conflict. You know, I find it strange how people care. And then he'll fly to Spain or Argentina and talk about that. It's like, well, that's pretty foreign too, Tucker. It's... (laughs) It's the complete dishonesty. Like, if you don't care about what's going on in Israel, have the balls to say it. But don't do this thing that so many of these conspiracy theory-esque people do where they don't have the balls to come out and actually say what they believe. And instead, they just go, oh, I'm just asking questions. Like, yeah. I don't think Jews are on the world. I'm just asking, why are so many Jews so powerful? Why do people hate them? Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking questions. It's just gutless. Again, he has the audience and the talent to just be honest and instead he's you know texting really insulting things about donald trump and then kissing his ass the next time he's on screen together and believing that his audience won't care and they don't care so you know who's dumb us or that or him it's uh it's very disappointing everyone's dumb in everyone (laughs) it's in the economic illiteracy he's spewing too i mean he's helping to steer the right right off the cliff right along with the democrats I mean, it, I mean, maybe the dude's honestly convinced himself that the government can keep printing money and nothing bad will happen. But, you know, they, maybe he thinks the economic collapse won't happen if they're printing money and spending it on stuff Tucker likes. I mean, it's insane. It's dangerous. It's devaluing our currency to nothing. I mean, between Trump's economic illiteracy and Tucker's, I mean, it might take another generation mm-hmm. for right wingers to even start to understand how money works again. And by then it might be too late. I mean, this... Well, it'll certainly be too late for the people who are pushing it. I mean, that's why so many people on the left, like that's why Joe Biden pushes this stuff, because he's, you know, he's an old man. He is not going to live forever, and he is not going to see the really horrific consequences of this kind of policy. Nor will Donald Trump, nor will Tucker. In many ways, nor will you or I. But yeah. for people who don't care about those who come after them, then that's just a perfect routine, because then you can just say and do whatever you want, and you're not going to have to pay the bill, and you don't care that people after you are going to have to pay the bill. It's it's pretty despicable, but when you don't care what comes after you, that's a pretty fundamental part of biology generally. And uh, people like Joe Biden, people like Tucker Carlson, people like Donald Trump don't really care what happens after them, I don't think. No, no, I don't think so either. My villain of the year, well, th- this villain of the year, I, I, this is one of the easier decisions. But <laughs> <laughs> mo- most of these I, I really had to put a lot of thought into. But uh, some decisions are easy. It's Hamas, um, yep. obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, not sure why this is controversial, Ian. <laughs> I mean, Hamas <laughs> broke the ceasefire, murdered 1,700 innocent civilians, mostly women and kids, raped hundreds of women, and are still holding dozens of hostages. Um, I know half of American media and most college students think Israel is worse than Hamas, but that's insane. Um, you know, terrorists killing babies 
is uh, definitely the most villainous thing to happen in 2023. And there's a lot of villainous things that happen in 2023, but it's not particularly close. Uh, you know, anybody who says Israel is just as bad as Hamas is a crazy person. Mm-hmm. This should not be controversial, including if you're an anti-war anarchist like myself. Yeah, so, I mean, Hamas are obviously the villain. And I, I think that's the... The key thing for me is there's so many layers here, right? There's the explosion of anti-Semitism we've seen in the West, which is terrifying if you're, certainly if you're Jewish, but if you just care about Western values, it's terrifying. But I think also the the really upsetting dilution of the actual debate, because I know you're not in favor of aid for any country. And in many ways, I'm not in favor of aid for most countries, but that's a reasonable debate to have. What I find pretty despicable is how, again, people like Tucker Carlson can say, oh, I'm just against funding the war, but won't come out and actually condemn, fully condemn without context or without whataboutisms or both sides in it. Just condemn terrorism. You can think terrorism is bad and also think that we shouldn't be providing funding to one side or the other. That's perfectly reasonable to have. I haven't called once for money to be given to Israel for this. Certainly not boots on the ground. That's another straw man that the uh, anti-Semitic-esque element of the right pushes of i don't want a single american person to spill blood in israel so oh you mean one apart from the americans who were murdered by hamas on october 7th let's ignore that but two no one is talking about that it's uh it's very just very upsetting generally i was doing a lot of hunting that week uh when when the war broke out and right-wingers on twitter kept scaring the crap out of me because they kept posting things like here we go, World War Three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Biden started World War Three, and I was like, "Oh shit, what did Biden do? Did he like what did he do? Did he like send in the Marines or something? Like, are we now bombing Gaza? Like what? Like what's?" And I'm like, "Oh no, that 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 didn't hap- That didn't happen, huh?" And I'll see like, and then the next day, same thing. Oh, here it is. Like we're going to war with Iran. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like who said what? Did Biden say this? Did Trump say if I'm president, we're bombing Iran? Like no, oh no, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Weird. Huh? I'm pleasantly surprised that that I mean, look, I mean, that could have happened. I mean, Obama, uh, yeah, Obama, Joe Biden is you know a brain dead Alzheimer's patient, and he's not running the show. I mean, anything could ha- anything could come from that White House. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like out of the question that he would like send in the military or whatever. But that didn't it didn't happen. It did not happen. And and people kept they just created a narrative that we were going to war with Iran or whatever, and just ran with it. Yeah. Even though that didn't, that just didn't come to pass at all. No one, I mean, like, you know, Lindsey Graham, I guess, he, he wakes up <laughs> in a cold sweat at 2 a.m. yelling at his boyfriend who's sleeping next to him about how we need to bomb Iran. Okay, so it's like, I'm not surprised that that guy went on Fox News and said bomb Iran. The old boy has one gear. That's like, <laughs> you pull the string on his back and he will keep saying bomb Iran. That's his, he's a one-trick pony. We all understand that. But, like, none of the, po- like, None of them, like Schumer, McConnell, like n- nobody with real power even a- is advocating for that. Mm-hmm. Thank God. I mean, that's good, yes. by the way. But it's like, I don't know, man, people went nuts and started just debating this war on grounds that didn't exist. I mean, they're just like yes. debating these hypothetical situations that aren't real. And it's just like, man, war is awful enough. Like, this is bad enough. Like, look, uh, look at the world. Like, you don't need to make shit up, man. Yeah. There's plenty of disasters. There's plenty of tragedies. There's plenty of civilians being killed. There's plenty of this stuff happening all across Europe, Africa, the Middle East. My goodness. And these people were... 
I don't know, man. Everybody, like, war makes everyone lose their minds on all sides, but this was, my my goodness. Even otherwise intelligent people who I respect were abs- are, are still in a state of a completely blown-up brain right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is amazing what this conflict has done to people. Well, I think then that, that comes to just the layers of anti-Semitism that exist in American life that many people don't want to talk about. It's got to be. Um, it's got to be. Because what yeah, else? Because no because it's not like this this, decision, this uh, kind of attention. Not even Ukraine, which is a yeah. much larger conflict which w- with way more civilian casualties, with way more U.S. taxpayer dollars involved, way more powerful nuclear-armed countries involved. I mean, that, that's orders of magnitude worse on every level. And they didn't, and that war didn't get the kind of mm-hmm. attention that that the Gaza war is. I mean, it's just you can unpack this forever because I think the problem is there's anti-Semitism on both sides, regardless of what spectrum you're talking about. You know, if you talk about politically, you've got the radical left, which is the Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC crowd, the Jeremy Corbyn crowd in the UK, who truly believe that Israel is an evil entity that should just accept its own destruction, like no other country has ever done in history. But then you also have uh, anti-Semitic elements of the um, of the conservative movement. I don't shouldn't really say conservative because it's more far right or alt right, who believe that all conflict is some Jewish guy in the background holding the strings like a puppet, and so anything that sparks off like this, they'll blame on the Jews regardless. And when Jews are actually involved, even more so. But if you look culturally, um, you look at say Muslim anti-Semitism across the world, black anti-Semitism, especially in the United States. Uh, it's all of these festering issues that just explode onto the scene. You've got academic anti-Semitism where you can have people calling for genocide on college campuses, Jews being told to hide in the attic in 2023. And then you'll have the presidents of these universities stand there and say, well, it only really counts as bullying depending on context. Can you imagine that for any other group? If you had a bunch of KKK activists walking around calling for black students to be strung up from the nearest tree, you think the president would be standing there and say, well, that only really counts as bullying depending on the context. It's, context. it's laughable, but Jews play by different rules, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's ridiculous from libertarians too, man, because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it just shoots the, the bottom out of the anti-war argument. I mean, this whole, like, anti-Semitic, like, blaming Israel for everything that the United States has ever done, <laughs> it's like... What? What are we? What are you even doing? Like you're you're mm-hmm. letting your own government off the hook. Like it wasn't Benjamin Netanyahu who went in front of the UN and lied knowingly about Saddam Hussein possessing weapons of mass destruction. That was Colin Powell. That was not Bibi Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, I mean it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the Israelis that killed two hundred fifty thousand Iraqi civilians. It wasn't the Israelis that invaded all these you know involved the United States in the Syrian civil war? Like what what are we? It wasn't. It wasn't the Israelis that got the United States involved in the war in Yemen. That was the Saudis. I mean, it's like like you're letting your own politicians, you're letting con- Congress is stealing your money and sending yeah. it overseas. Be mad at them. Your presidents, all of them, Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, they are perpetuating these wars that, that the United States is involved in. It's not Israel. Like, my, my, my goodness, it's just... It's so short. I mean, it's. I don't know how you get there if you don't just hate the Jews. Obviously, that's why. I mean, I have to believe that the source of a lot of this is anti-Semitism because it just doesn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the only. This is the when you bring up Israel, it's the only instance where a lot of anti-war people will just like totally let the United States off the hook. Yeah, I'm trying to defeat the war machine here, man. Okay, <laughs> like I don't have time to worry about what Israel's government's doing. To be quite honest with you, I have enough problems with my own. It's also just it. It doesn't matter whether you're pro-war, anti-war, or anything in between. 
when children are being beheaded or burned alive or women are being raped on the ground next to their dead friends, that's bad. And if you're not willing just to say that's bad and then at least talk, let's say theoretically about what should be done to stop that. But the fact that, again, Israel, because Israel is a stand in for the Jews because it's the world's only Jewish country. The fact that people like Obama and every other politician will say Israel has a right to defend itself. But you do not say that about any other group of people, any other nation, because, again, it's a double standard that is applied only to Jews. It's the same way that if you saw any other group of people massacred that way, you wouldn't say, well, yeah, OK, what did you do? It's like blaming rape victims, the, quite literally in this case. Yeah, um, it's it's a difficult time. I, I, for me, I try and find the positives in it. And I think on the conservative right, especially um, conservative Christians, I've had an absolute outpouring of, of support you know, from you, obviously, but also many other people that maybe I hadn't even spoken with at all or for years. And so I think there's a lot of people who are supportive on a domestic level of the anti-Semitism we're seeing here is appalling and I don't support it. Um, like I was in Walmart a couple of months ago and, um, and obviously Christian woman, like she was wearing a crucifix and she had an, I stand with Israel, um, sweater on just things like that mean something. And so I think it's, it's easy to look at the entire country and think that everyone hates the Jews, but it's not the case. It's just the people who do are incredibly vocal and in many ways, incredibly powerful. Um, so I look at this as I'm going to be speaking about this on some college campuses this semester of Christians and Jews should be teaming up and fighting together in favor of Western values in the United States. We're natural partners. I mean, our, our religions are impossible. It's impossible to um, disconnect us. And so we should be allies in this. And I think there's some very insidious people who are trying to disconnect Christians and Jews. It's been very effective historically, but I think this is an opportunity to come together and to stand in favor of Western values, because that's really what October 7th was. Yeah, it was attack on Jews, but it was just an attack on the West. It was radical Islam coming up and kicking the West in the face. Um, and if people don't see it like that, then just wait until it happens here, because it will. Yeah, I mean, look at all the unvetted people pouring over the southern mm -hmm. border right now, too, for goodness sakes. You know, yep. I mean, it's how many of those people are, are not here to live the American dream, let's just say. Yeah, yeah, bad stuff, man. We'll see. We'll see how long this war lasts, what it's going to look like afterwards. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to dominate most of the year, I think, yeah. even though it's an election year. Um, who is your man of the year for 2023 or one of the year? But if, you know, if you've, if you got the balls to, uh, we'll give you an honorary set of testicles if we make a, a woman, a, a man of the year, <laughs> you know, I think they've earned it. So I think, um, honorable mentions have to go to George Santos and John Fetterman. <laughs> um, George Santos, just cause he's so funny. So shamelessly he funny. He is. And uh, John Fetterman, I, you know, these words are turning to ash in my mouth, but I think credit where credit is due. For him to have been one of the few people to to really speak on the issue of what's going on with Hamas as clearly as he did and to reject the people, many of whom probably put him in power, um, to reject the pro-Hamas bullshit. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. So, yeah, there are, there are political reasons for him doing so. I'm not saying it's just because he's a you know, purely good person, but credit is where credit is due. Uh, I think man of the year for me has to go to Joe Biden in all the worst ways. Um, I couldn't find someone who stood out to me as a positive man of the year. Uh, but Joe Biden, I struggle to think of someone who is more of a political failure in his life than that man. Um, everything he touches turns to shit. Um, his entire family is an absolute joke. Uh, he's been on vacation. And when he's not on vacation, he's funding both sides of conflicts. It's just where, where do you begin? So for me, he is certainly the most... Uh, influential in all the worst ways, in my mind. 
I and respect Taylor Swift, of course, because we always <laughs> care about Taylor. <laughs> Man of the year, Taylor Swift. I, uh, I I respect that you went like the old school Time Magazine route of just like naming <laughs> the most influential person. You know, who killed the most people this year? Which is like they should have just stuck with that. I mean, you know, and just had like the most important person globally. You know, like I think that was actually a better model, but. Um, I, I was, and you're totally right. I mean, by by that standard, Joe Biden absolutely is man of the year. I, I try to make it something positive. Unfortunately, I had to go about seven thousand miles away. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to give it to Javier Mille, man, um, yes. the president of Argentina. The guy is a legitimate Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist. Ian, it got so bad they elected Brady Leonard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> can you believe that? I mean, Mille immediately fired thousands of federal workers, slashed entire cabinet-level agencies, got rid of hundreds of thousands of federal regulations. He's actually doing what he campaigned on. He's doing exactly what it would take to save their country, if that's even possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it might be too late for the Argentines. I mean, remember, we've never, in America or Europe, we've never experienced, except for post-World War II, we've never experienced the kind of economic destruction that the South American communists have caused. I mean, 150% yeah. inflation, 40% of the country living in poverty. It might be too late. I mean, their their currency might be too far gone. Maybe the commies will kill him. I mean, who knows, man? But he's doing what he said. He's the man for the moment. God bless him. Godspeed to our boy, the Argentinian Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> I also think it's so funny. I think you've mentioned this a few times, of how everyone is always just compared to Trump. Like, oh, he has funny hair, therefore he's right. the Argentinian Trump. It's like, right. that's that's offensive to Millet, but also basically anyone else who's compared to Trump. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's obviously a very eclectic figure, um, very entertaining in many ways. But to see someone who's actually speaking boldly on something, but following through, I think that's what I find frustrating when people say, oh, Vivek Ramaswamy is like that. It's like, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to do none of these things. He's just telling the audience what they want to hear in the moment. Um the worry, though, is, as as you alluded to, is that things have to get really bad before people who actually know what they're talking about come in. Yeah. And uh, I think it'll take a lot longer for things to get that bad here. Um, but I also think people have a stomach to ignore things for a long time. So hopefully he can be a, a symbol of what can be, and uh, it'll spark some ideas over here. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see, man. Imagine being a corporate journalist and thinking that, like, Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, and Javier Mille are, like, the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> they have messy hair. I mean, just, like, just I, whether you're talking about the political spectrum, whether you're talking about those three men as human beings, I mean, just that you can't—there's nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. Nothing in common. Nothing. The three—my goodness. And then they, they say the same about that guy who just won in Switzerland or wherever, that, that real pale blonde feller. My goodness. I mean, like, yeah, the, the American journalist has to be the most ignorant class of human being on the planet ever. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. that's saying something. Bold prediction. I'll start because mine's real dark and hopefully yours is not as dark. <laughs> but <laughs> Let's see. My bold prediction for 2024, I think a Democrat is going to try to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. Ooh. Um, they already tried to kill Kavanaugh. Um but I think there's going to be an even more serious assassination attempt, not that there's an unserious assassination attempt. Um, and I'm not predicting that they're going to succeed. Good Lord willing, they don't. I just think there's going to be a legit shots-fired assassination attempt. Um, here's the thing. The corporate press really knows how to get Democrats fired up in election years. Um, they have to. It's it's the only way Democrats can win elections, at least when they're led by a man like Joe Biden. Um 
they actually convince a large percentage of the Democrat base that Trump is Hitler, that Republicans are fascists. And they do that because they have to. It's the only mm-hmm. thing they have going for them. Biden has been one of the worst presidents ever, <laughs> at least in a very long time. I mean, the man is is in his 80s. He's barely sentient. He can't finish a sentence. He's clearly nearing the end of the line and is no longer capable of functioning, let alone being president of the United States. The economy is terrible. There's hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens flooding the border every month. The Democratic Party is an open contempt. They, they absolutely hate the American people. Their message is one of decay and destruction and poverty, but gay. <laughs> but it's gay, you know. And it's just that's not gonna that's not gonna energize the base. The only way they win is to rile everyone up and convince them that Republicans are literally the devil. And you're gonna hear. I mean, if you thought the the throw unvaccinated Americans into concentration camps was bad a couple years ago, they're gonna make that the journalists are gonna be even worse than that. Mm-hmm. American journalists are gonna be worse than they were in the spring of 2020. They're not gonna back off. There's no going back to quote unquote normal for these these Democrat journalists. And there is a lot of mental illness in this country. There's a lot of crazy people. COVID and isolation and the lockdowns and everything else made it even worse for a lot of people that were struggling with mental illness. I think the press is going to push somebody to do something extraordinarily evil this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to not see that as, as possible. That's very dark. But I, I think just the way people were— I pray I'm wrong, man. I, I, I really course. hope I'm wrong. I just have a really bad feeling. The way they talk about the Supreme Court, the way they talk about— you know, Trump being an illegitimate president, this and that. And I, uh, there's just a lot of deranged Democrats. I mean, one of them shot Steve Scalise, tried to take out as yeah. many Republican congressmen and, and senators as possible. You see, you know, the the trans shooter, you know, in, in Nashville and, and all this. It, there's just a lot of crazy people out there, man. Yeah, there's also just a lot of violence that, again, is always put through a political filter because all violence is obviously awful. And uh, we talk about gun violence all the time, but like that... Um, the president of a synagogue in Detroit that was stabbed to death and they just barely yeah. covered it. Yep. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of cases like that too, of just horrific violence that isn't politically relevant or politically helpful for one side. And so it's just buried. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's scary. Yeah. 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 And the craziest thing, man, if I'm right within one week, the New York times will have a headline excusing whatever the assassin did or tried to do. Like, it won't be blatant. They won't be like, oh, I'm glad Brett Kavanaugh is dead. But they'll mm-hmm. say, it'll be like, kind of like how they did with Hamas. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. there's context, you know. Well, you know, you know, you know, you know, Israel in 1948, you know, uh, you know, they're going to do the same thing with like an assassination attempt. They would do the exact same thing. It's just the state of the media. Every year we talk, it gets worse. And it's it's kind of amazing in a really dark way. They might have blood on their hands, man. If it happens, it's because of them. It's yeah. because of the press. Yep. What's your bold prediction, my brother? Well, mine is somehow not as dark as yours. Um, <laughs> I think Gavin Newsom is going to swoop in at the last minute, uh, literally as last minute as it can possibly be. It's going to be framed by the media as him stepping in and Joe Biden being a hero for stepping aside and doing what's best for the country. And uh, Gavin Newsom is going to be president of the United States. And uh, I think as someone who left California, he is he would be an unmitigated disaster. Um, far worse than Joe Biden. The man is a psychopath, um, deeply corrupt, deeply evil in his policies. Um, but I think it's been clear for a while that he's been running a ghost campaign for president. Like him vetoing certain trans legislation is simply to make him a bit more palatable uh, to the middle of the country. 
um, him debating DeSantis, being schooled by DeSantis, but also then mocking DeSantis for taking the bait of debating or some nonsense. Um, he's showing all the signs of someone who's running for president. And uh, I, I think for me, I would be very surprised if he does not come in and uh, is put in place because it's going to be very hard to run a campaign against him if he comes in at the last minute. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad prediction. I mean, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, this morning, he just got back from another vacation in the Caribbean or something. Endless vacations. Just like burnt to a crisp. I mean, just like sunburned, like bright red. The dude had skin cancer removed a year ago. I'm like, dude, are you even trying to stay alive? My goodness, you had skin cancer. You've had a history. You've had skin cancer removed multiple times. You go out there and just get burned to a crisp on a beach. It's wild. It's like, dude, are you even trying? Like, does Joe Biden, like, for a man who's wanted power his entire, like, he's the only thing he's ever cared about his entire life is being president of the United States. And mm -hmm. he, it, But he's so far gone. It's like, dude, is he even, like, does he even want it? Like, is he even trying to keep himself healthy? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, he's it's just... like, I don't know. I, I still... If I had to bet money right now, I'd say it's still like likelier than not that Joe Biden is on the ballot. But I'd I put it at like fifty five percent, whereas a couple years ago I would have said like eighty percent. Yeah, he's just he's not there. But he's been not there this whole time. You know, if he's physically alive, it is getting worse though. Yes, like it's definitely getting worse. But if he has a pulse, I think there's. I wouldn't be surprised if he kept running, but. The Democrats aren't dumb. Like, they have to have a backup plan. Um, you know, if he shits himself on national TV or something, they have to have someone come in uh, because even they have standards up to a point. Maybe not, man. Maybe they just... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they just, like, in an exercise in, like, self-humiliation -humili for, like, the entire voting block of Democrats, they might just shove Joe Biden down their throats. Yep. Especially if it's against Trump because Trump trumps everything. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. And keep in mind, man, like Trump's up in the polls by like two. I think the the polling average is like two point two points, which is within the margin of error. But he's still up mm -hmm. over Biden. And in, in both, like I think, like man, it's got to be like nine out of the last ten polls I've seen, Trump is up nationally. So there's definitely been movement towards Trump. But it's like you got to remember, there's been no negative press. Yeah, like they've been covering the indictment stuff a little bit. But they've basically been hands off of Trump. They've been letting him like fly under the radar as crazy that, as that is, you know, as, as much as Trump can, <laughs> you know. I think being off of social media has helped. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I don't know if if the poll if they really train all their fire on Trump, if they train all their fire on Trump, which they will after like the primary is over, yep. and they don't destroy Trump's numbers, I th I think you're right. I think they sit Biden down and they're just like, look. It's got to be it's got to be Newsom because the only thing they care about is beating Trump. Yes. I really wish Republicans felt the same way. <laughs> like, I, really, I really wish Republicans cared about winning half as much as Democrats. I mean, they would literally. Yeah. I mean, like, I think if he's down eight points in the polling average in six months. Yeah. They're pulling the plug on him. Yeah. If he's up, it's... if he's if he's down two and they can still like make up stories about Trump, like make up another P tape, make up another, you know, find another, grab him by the pussy or whatever. Like if they can figure out something like that to take down Trump, they'll probably stick with the old man. But like if, if it's looking like even their own schemes and tricks aren't going to help. Yeah. They'll, they'll probably pull the plug and, and insert somebody else. Well, let's not also not forget that they are much better elections than we are. Like they're going to do ballot harvesting like never before. They're going to do mail-in ballots like never before. 
yeah you'll you can be certain that there'll be a resurgence of some kind of covid that allows them to do whatever they need in the places oh, yeah. they know they need the votes yeah. and we are prepared for none of this because the entire time donald trump has said yeah it was stolen but also i'm going to win don't worry about it yeah. that's the strategy don't worry about it tell you what i'm worried about it <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit i'm a little i'll be honest i'm a little worried about it i'm not gonna lie to you ian my brother what a year Oof, what a year it, was, it felt like a decade of all the years 2023 was one <laughs> it was a year. My goodness. Oh, exhausting. Just utterly exhausting. Coming up on my daughter's first birthday here in a couple months. You're getting married in a few months. Some good stuff, man. We'll yeah, have a good 2024. Year. 2024. Who cares about politics? You and I are going to be killing it either way. Who cares? Country can burn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, people. I'm just kidding. It is, I'll tell you what. One thing that I, I have really um, becoming a dad for the first time, and I'm sure this is like super annoying to people without kids, me saying starting sentences like that. <laughs> but like, yeah, I've been married for a long time too. I've always had like owned multiple businesses and had a ton of hobbies and, and not really like thought too much about politics unless I'm like working on politics or, or mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, since I became a dad, I really like the losses politically just really don't bother me. And yeah, it it's just like, I don't care. It's like, I'm still going to do exactly what I want. Like, I'll still ignore, like, pass whatever laws you want. I'm still going to ignore them. Like, who do you think you're talking to? Like, you know, like, it's, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it's a lot easier to accept the, the L's. I used to, you know, not that I got too upset when, when, like, my people lost or whatever, but, like, I was never that, like, emotionally invested in politics. But, like, mm -hmm. after this year, I'm not at all. I mean, it's just like, oh, huh? Oh, something bad happened? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on. You know, it's just like I don't know. I it really, it 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 changed my perspective even further in that direction. I'd say. And I think a lot of parents are like that. I think that's why conservatives tend to have success when children are part of that policy. You know, when we're talking about economics of how much can you afford to feed your family, or transgender stuff of are the government dragging your children away to indoctrinate them with some sexual bullshit. You know, that's again an era for an opportunity because there's a lot of people who wake up politically when it's suddenly their family that are being impacted and uh but again the gop are bad at this so we'll see yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see ian my brother uh thanks for doing this man we'll do it again soon hopefully next year we can do another show like this and have a whole bunch of positive stuff to talk about yeah let's um, hope so that'd be wonderful i'm not gonna hold my breath but you know <laughs> uh where can everybody find your show which is fantastic i highly recommend it where can everybody check out your sub stack and your writing and your twitter and all that good stuff yeah, thanks as always for having me. It was, uh, I can't believe it was a couple of years ago we did the same show. That blew my mind this morning. <laughs> we, we thought, yeah, real quick before I let you go, me and Ian were talking before the show. We thought that Ian did the year in review show last year. That was three years ago. <laughs> it's just, wow. it's just like, time it's is just slipping away. Blends together, man. That You could have told me that was a month ago and I would have believed yeah. you. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, so you can find all my work on uh, social media. It's I G H A W O R T H. Uh, my show is called Off Limits. It's on YouTube and Rumble. I'm starting that up again as soon as I'm not sick anymore, so hopefully next week. And, uh, yeah, you can check out all of my writing on social media, and you can find links there. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh -huh.